Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, May 30th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss updates to FastActive, gotchas with Mod Proxy, configuring VMs with Vagrant, and oh, so much more. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. vacation <laughs> <laughs> ah yes what's that yeah it's been a long six months hasn't it <laughs> vacation from what <laughs> you have the perfect job <laughs> i do have the perfect job yeah it's just that sometimes i don't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> So we get got big plans. Uh yeah. Yeah, actually tomorrow evening is Kira's uh, well this will all be in the past for by the time it hits our dear listeners, but hmm. uh Wednesday evening is Kira's birthday party. Nice. And then her best friend is spending the night and then we're leaving early Thursday morning to take them up to Cincinnati for some water park or arcade mini golf bowling fun times for a couple of days. <laughs> And then Water I'm going to come home and sleep for times. 48 hours. Yeah, did you did you actually work in a, some sleep into the vacation schedule? I did. I did actually. We're only going to be out of town Thursday and Friday, so I have genius. Saturday and Sunday to recover. Oh, genius! That's a that is a amateur mistake is to like plan your vacation so that you fly back on like the Sunday before the Monday. Yeah, you need you got to give yourself at least one day. Yeah, that's not a vacation, especially with kids. You come back on a Sunday with kids, like air travel, forget about it. Yeah, forget it. No. You'll probably be in the hospital on Monday, never go back to work. <laughs> we came, when we came, when we went to Kananaskis last summer. <laughs> I love the name we, of that place. We came back. Cannon ass kiss. <laughs> <laughs> can it? Well, yes, it can. <laughs> um, anyway, because of flight times and all that stuff, like, it ended up we had been awake for 24 hours by the time we got home. Yeah. And like as and as soon as we got back to the back to the house, we had to leave and take care of the dentist to get her braces adjusted. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm warning you now. She's she's very fragile. She's been awake for 24 hours and is extremely jet lagged <laughs> from flying across the country. Yeah, and let's yeah, be clear. And then she had school the next day. <sighs> first day of school. This is not first day of school. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So you basically you hate her. <laughs> <laughs> so and let's be clear, this is not twenty four hours up in your house. This is twenty four hours up in a at a airport gate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sitting on a plane upright asleep with your neck breaking. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's uh that is the way to do it, folks. It's I you know, I'm here to tell you. Kelly's obviously old enough to know this too. You cannot <laughs> fly back from anywhere on the last day of your vacation. It's not. No. It negates the whole thing. It does because then you just you you end your vacation exhausted. Yeah. And you have to go back to work exhausted. So. Yeah, with seven hundred emails. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you've planned appropriately, planned accordingly. I just saw about 
a few minutes ago that, that our illustrious leader had shared a document Google Doc with me. <laughs> like I'm backing away from the computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a never ending stream. Like you just you just have to you just have to be like, look, I'm yeah. I'm out. Yeah. So and in fact our feature today has quite a bit to do with the fact or with that fact. So Kelly is Kelly is scraping the gum off of her shoe in a very real way <laughs> onto me. Uh, but that's the beauty of working with a team is that you can scrape the gum yeah. off. Yeah. Onto somebody else. I am the curb. You are. You are the curb. <laughs> <laughs> my minion now. Excellent. That's. I'm happy to be. Uh, yeah, so let's see. We have a bunch of fun stuff to talk about this week. A little bit of housekeeping first, as is our tradition. Mm-hmm. If only I could find that document <laughs> in my... Uh, it's in the Skype history. There's the window. Um, cool. So I apologize to your listener that the podcast was late last week, even though we recorded it on Tuesday as we are doing today. Well, it's Wednesday now, but yeah. And I believe I even said Tuesday that it would be on time unless you forgot to post it. Yes. Well, that was partially true. I didn't forget to post it, but I was, we recorded early because I was traveling last week to lovely West Bend, Wisconsin. Mm hmm. Uh, to give a full day talk on uh, Thursday, which was super fun, I have to say. I love doing those things. It's like a, it's like a um, was that a technical college? Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was really. I haven't done anything like that before, and I really, I'm gonna actually gonna seek them out because it was perfect. Where you have a whole bunch of people who are, it was a mixture of like what you'd expect college student age, but it's also a whole bunch of like, um, sort of folks my age and older who are going back yeah. to school. Yeah. And they had a great setup. They had like a killer, um, you know, stadium seating with really advanced, like they had all the stuff. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. It was great. Uh, I, I really liked it. It was, it was really fun. It was like, uh, it was like in the morning we did like a big sort of mind expanding exercise where, you know, I do that kind of big picture, like mobiles eating the planet, but that's mm -hmm. just the beginning type of talk to make sure everybody's like on the same page and thinking big enough. Yeah. And then it gets more and more technical as the day goes on and do like, um, you know, responsive web design boot camp and, uh, and intro to jQuery mobile for people who are just getting started with mobile, who just want to make something like quick and dirty and prototypes and, and that sort of stuff. And then like a, like a, a crash course in phone gap and phone gap build and how to make native, you know, make hybrid apps really easily with web technology. It's like, it's such a fun, yeah. it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, it gets I, everybody I, excited. I like it. I sat in on your webinar on phone gap once and it was cause I had actually not used phone gap prior to that. It mm. was, it was fun. It's and it's I don't know how long ago that was, but PhoneGap three is really it's really coming it's like coming along leaps and bounds. Mm. Uh I probably didn't do this in the webinar, you you tell me, but there's uh there's like a cross platform um uh consistence the word I want to use, but that's not really the right word, but like a a cross platform command line API for running PhoneGap that is like it's like a like I wish it existed when I wrote the book because 
it's the same no matter what. So like if you're nice. on Windows or Mac or whatever, it's like phone gap, uh, phone gap run iOS. Okay. You know, from the director in and like if your phone's plugged in, bang, the app installs on your phone and launches. Yeah, I don't think that was a thing. when It was either not a thing when you did the webinar or you just didn't cover it because it was a short, hour-long thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It does take, like, the the the, the thing I did in Wisconsin was it's a full day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I probably didn't do the, usually on the O'Reilly stuff, the hour-long things, I just do phone gap build because it's so easy. You yeah, don't have to install anything. You just, like, upload a zip, a zip archive and, like, boom, an app. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty sweet. Uh, so, but long story longer, the point is that <laughs> my my podcast machine, I lugged it along with me through security for you, dear listener, so that I could um, edit the podcast and et cetera, et cetera. And the thing basically died. Oh. So I had to copy everything over onto my macbook air which as kelly knows has like a minuscule 64 gigabyte hard drive which is basically always full yeah you've got like four bytes of hard drive space left (laughs) whether i need them or not (laughs) so it was a it was an exercise of like copying things off and thumb drive thumb drives are involved so i think that pretty much tells you everything yeah i was like i was looking at thumb drives and thinking about the other day i was like i haven't used a thumb drive in years yeah Right, right. You know what I mean. I know. Do they have I mean, Dropbox that, that for thumb drives? Like, yeah. Well, I mean that's that's just it. I haven't used a thumb drive since I started using Dropbox. Exactly. Right. But you're on a hotel Wi-Fi and they have all kinds of ports closed and mm. and I I uh, <clears throat> um I actually uploaded the podcast from O'Hare, <laughs> <laughs> which was sketchy, but it worked. So. I... Uh, so apologies, dear listener, for being late. I hate when my podcasts that I like to listen to are late. So I, I really try to avoid doing it, but it does happen sometimes. Fingers crossed for this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So we, we got an email from a dear listener. Ooh. Ooh. So our old friend Ord Saunders. Yes. Uh, sent me an email after listening to last week's podcast. Do you remember we were talking about um, how, how evil I am <laughs> and that I, uh, I put P, literal PHP code to be evaled in a database. Yes. Remember this? The, there's like a logic branching branching yes, issue. Yes, and, and, and we were trying to come up with better ways to do it, and I couldn't without actually seeing the the thing. Right. And so he came up with, with an answer that was sort of head-slappingly obvious, so, it was, mm-hmm. so I really appreciate that because it didn't occur to me. And it really should have because I built an app exactly like the one that he built. <laughs> So, but, but in my defense, it won't work for my situation. So here's, so what he, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, basically I've got a list of, you know, I've got a, a basically a, a, a logic flow of steps that need to be handled for an SMS application. So if somebody says type text start to this phone number and it starts this series of, of statements and questions that get shot out of a database over SMS through Twilio to the user's phone. And it's like, Hey, this and that, and this and that. And then, Oh, by the way, how old are you? Yeah. It's like SMS, choose your own adventure. It's Zork. It's basically, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. It's like Zork. (laughs) And, uh, which that's probably secretly, that's why I love SMS because Zork is the best (laughs) game ever. Yes, it is. We should, we should make a Zork over SMS. Oh, that'd be fun. That is so tight. 
That's very nerdy. Oh, yeah. There's got to be 10,000 people on this planet that would completely pitch a tent over that. <laughs> <laughs> not, to, not to ruin our G rating. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, the reason I just said that is because we've been watching this show called Moon Boy. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Oh, it's just, I won't go into it, but it's about a 12-year-old kid in the 80s who has an invisible friend who's 35 years old and has a beard. <laughs> okay it's wicked funny and there's a there's a there's a pitch tent episode anyway <laughs> so um so what ord suggested was that uh when a question is asked that has options mm-hmm. and depending on what option is selected a different a different path through the choose your own adventure is taken then all you need is to have a sort of an options table that's underneath question. So you've got a questions table and then, uh, you know, and a sub table called options and each option says what the next step, what the next question is. And it maps it all out that way. Right. So you have a two level, two level structure and, and, and that would work perfectly if only that was what my app did. <laughs> Or this app did, and he's right because I've done the same thing before with with almost almost the exact same app that he does, like a health app that asks a bunch of questions. And if you're male, mm-hmm. then you get a different set of questions than if you're female. And the the difference, I suppose, and it's it's really a difference of scale because I could do that, um, but the difference is that the vast majority of of um, flow. So there's all these flows in this mm-hmm. cigarette application. There's all these different flows. And the vast majority of things are not questions. They're, the vast majority of things are just statements. And the next statement that comes depends on something that was answered a long time ago. Oh, okay. Or not. It's not, it, it's not like, it's not like, oh, if you answered whatever to the last question, then do this. It's not like, yeah, uh, it's, it's you're not, not like branching from one to the other to Right. You have no, I have no idea as the author of the application, what the path is going to be. So. Yeah, that's tricky. Right. And so I could have asked, so the, so the question, so imagine a situation where in three or four different places, I asked the question, do you, do you, what do you, what do you, what nicotine products do you use? And they answer like, oh, I use uh, cigarettes and e-cigs and, um, and hookah pens and i bet you didn't know hookah pens were a thing i didn't i did not yeah hookah pen i like the sound of it (laughs) so can you write with it i i believe you can write cancer onto your lungs with it okay yeah it's got cancer ink nice so that's i-n-k dot (laughs) i-n-c cancer ink is the manufacturer (laughs) actually in this moon boy show they were talking about somebody who somebody who died of the big C uh-huh. hit by a car. Nice. <laughs> a little kid to, to a little kid. The big C is car. So, um, so here's the thing. So like, like it gets weird because I could ask the same question in multiple places and then I have to set up the logic in multiple places in the options in the sub table, which isn't the end of the world, but it's a scale thing. <laughs> yeah. So, cause it's what I really want to do is say, uh, at a given point in time, 
There's all these things I have to consider at a given point in time. How long has it been since the last time I texted the person? Is Am I in between the hours that I can text this person? Because they, like some people, like don't text me during school hours. Yeah. And then I have to, and then I have to do all these other considerations like what sex is the person? Does the person have a smartphone or not? Does the person use hookah pens or not? And, and then I have to do, all, like I have to crunch all of these factors to decide what to do next. So, so if it was a straight up questionnaire where I was just asking questions and they were giving answers and it was like start to finish, that'd be one thing. But this is like a, it, these are a series of text messages that come out over six weeks and, uh, it's, it's super, it's super wacky. So I, so, I mean, he's absolutely right from, from what we described last week, Ord's solution is a perfect solution, but I don't think we went into the complexity of like all the wacky stuff that's going on. Yeah. So it's, I don't, I think there is probably some glimmer of hope in that approach and I'm going to explore it and we'll update the dear listener later. It'd be interesting. Yes. But I love getting this emails sounds... from listeners and I know yes. Kelly does too. So, so if you, dear listener, have a solution for this problem or any other, please share. <laughs> <laughs> I think, our, what's our email? I don't even know. Uh, I, I think it's hello at niche.cc. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. So yeah, or just hit us on Twitter. It's usually yeah. easier. Yeah, you and I are pretty easy to pretty easy to hunt down. Yeah, it's kind of I'm getting like sort of obnoxious on Twitter. It's kind of miss me. Hard to miss. <laughs> me. Um, excellent. So okay. So that was so. Thank you, Ord, for that. Uh, and then the f- teeny final bit of uh, housekeeping is that um, is about Fast Active. You remember Fast Active? Yes. So Fast Active got a little bit of traction with folks um, on GitHub. It's a snippet of JavaScript that I wrote that people can stick into their web pages to make web apps feel more native by responding instantaneously to uh, user interactions. Yes, touch events. Responding to, like, touches. Exactly, yes, touches, exactly. So so the, the concept being that the big picture concept being, and in fact, I talked about this in the workshop that it's more important to be responsive than fast. Yeah. So it's like, if you, if some, if some operation, you know, a lot of, most of these operations when you're building web app, they have to at least access the network and do some stuff over the network. And so that's going to take, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to take a second. Yeah. It's going to space. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's going to Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's going to Amazon's cloud. Uh, so, so, but that's okay. As long as you tell the person like, yeah, got the message working on it. Be right back. I'll be right back from space. And but if they have to wait half a second to, to hear, yeah, I got your message. Yeah. Then they're like, it feels it, slow. yeah, it feels slow. So there's this 300 millisecond delay on click events uh, on most touch devices. Although newer versions of Chrome are getting rid of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so this library does nothing. It does not even listen to touch. It doesn't do anything for touch events. It's not like Hammer.js or or FastClick or any of those things. It yeah, doesn't, it, it doesn't it doesn't handle them at all. It just yeah <laughs> yeah. So the so the goal the goal of FastActive is to be ridiculously simple and and like work. It just works. And people it, people it's it's a shocking difference. Like I can tell when it's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very noticeable in the, and, and to be honest, most of the, the iOS operating system 
is kind of slow. It's iOS 7 actually got a little bit faster, but the OS, like the settings app, it's pretty slow. Like you have to wait a lot. Yeah, it is. But you do, but it does immediately highlight the button that you clicked or whatever. So it feels like it's not slow. But if you watch, you watch next time you're using your iPhone, dear listener, you'll be sitting around waiting a second every time you tap. Not, not, not every time, but lots of times. Yeah. And Android's the same way. Yeah. It doesn't, they're they're responsive, but it takes time to do stuff. Right. So, so here's the thing. There was, there was something in fast active that always, (sighs) I didn't like. Because one of the one of the goals of the snippet was to be like insanely small, you know, like compressed. It's like two hundred and fifty bytes, not kilobytes. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, that's there's one piece of logic that I put in there that is kind of redundant and kind of it's kind of violates the do one thing well premise, and that is that I added a teeny bit of modernizer code to add or remove touch no touch from the html tag yes i saw that and i never really liked that because it's not really the responsibility of fast active's goals to do that but the reason i always left it in was because i always ended up adding that anyway because you have to have a hook in your you almost always have to have a hook in your css to to branch based on whether or not you're on a touch device right uh, so if you, so it, just to kind of expand on that, like fast active doesn't do anything except for add a class name to something you just tapped. And then it's up to you to add the, to do all the CSS work to actually add some styles to do something, you know, it just handles the, the JavaScript logic. Yeah. Like as, uh, immediately as just as, as soon as you tap something, it immediately adds a class to it. Yeah. Like in like mil- 10 milliseconds, under 10 milliseconds, like the class name is added. But that doesn't do anything, obviously. Like in, you have to have some CSS that has something that says, "Okay, when when something is got this active class, then highlight it as if it were clicked." So you still have to do that. But what always happens, always, 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 is that you need to in your, your logic you have to branch for touch and no touch interfaces because on mm-hmm. on non touch interfaces you probably aren't going to rely on that. You're probably going to use regular hovers and regular active pseudo selectors for all of that stuff so and you don't want to use pseudo selectors on mobile because it gets weird yeah they're super unpredictable so uh so i was like oh i'll just add this little snippet in that 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 deals with touch no touch and the html and so finally i had a good reason to take that out thankfully (laughs) and that is because um fast active only works after document ready Mm -hmm. so so usually or you know generally what i do you could put it in a in a in the head and then have like uh jquery document ready or you could do a window on load or whatever and have the code execute them but what i recommend is that people just include it before the closing body tag just paste it right into your your page or some include that's included in all of your footers or whatever and so, I, you know, as you know, I've been working on Kilo and doing the, um, the sort of desktop version has this huge ass picture. Yes. Gorgeous pictures. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They are really are just like, I'll just like roof yeah, in sp- Kilo and refresh the page. Yeah. I spent like two hours of the night going through his portfolio. Yeah. The guy's sick. Yeah. 
sick Trey Ratcliffe. It's just great. It guys has like sick pictures. Yeah, like I'm I'm totally gonna I found like I could I could go broke buying his prints, but I found one in particular that I'm I'm totally gonna drop some serious money on. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So the thing is this when you have you you can't win if the if the no touch and touch styles are in at the end of the body you can't get a good experience in both places because what happens is um, your initial HTML is gonna have the wrong class name in it somewhere so if you put like um, if you put like, if you embed no touch in the HTML or you embed touch in the HTML or you embed nothing in the HTML and you wait for fast active to do it, then the wrong CSS is going to be active while the JavaScript is loading. And so what that means is that if you're either going to see on the desktop, you're going to see the uh, mobile styles for a second and then the, the desktop styles kick in. Yeah. Or on mobile, you get the ver- reverse, where you see the desktop styles first, and then the mobile style kicks in. And it, it's horrible in both places. And the reason it does that is because you're putting it in at the bottom of the body, and you where it really needs to be is in the head, which is why Modernizer, you have to put Modernizer in the head. It's one of the few JavaScript files you have to put in the head in order for it to work properly. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do that, then everything's fine because the, the document hasn't loaded yet. It hasn't parsed all the CSS and everything, and it'll just, it won't give you this weird flash of the wrong styles. Yeah, it's like waiting on a font to download. Exactly. It, unstyled text. Exactly. And so I was, I was actually really psyched about this, because it was a really strong reason to just pull it out of FastActive, because it's the wrong place to put that logic. Yeah, it felt a little weird to me. Mm, it did, I didn't like it either, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to add this in every time. And so finally I had a case where I was like, oh, this is really nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means though is that um is that fast active really doesn't do anything on its it really it does even less on its own but it's it it it's more fit to purpose so yeah if people are using fast active and they update it they will need to make sure that they at least include modernizer or some kind of touch no touch logic in the head of the document in order to um hook their css styles into the right thing if they are branching their CSS differently for touch and non-touch devices. So that was my 45-minute quick, fast, active update. (laughs) (laughs) I just sent you a link to the... Oh, cool. I always feel like, whenever I say fast, active, I feel like it's a Metamucil ad from the 70s. Fast, active. (laughs) Yeah. Fast, active, Metamucil. You'll be pooping before you know it. Oh, wow, that is cool. Yeah, isn't it? That would look what really good on a, on a large print. They're wooden shingles. Oh, but when you said wooden shingles, I pictured her standing next to a shed. Yeah, I did. Yeah, this is like uh, just kind of hanging there in the wind. I guess kind of like a I guess kind of like a wind chime thing, but wooden. That's insane. This dude Trey Rackliff's got sick pictures. He's got a whole series of stuff from Burning Man, which pretty much is like dropping acid. <laughs> yeah. So it's he's got some cool stuff. So people should check it out. We'll link to it though for sure. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So um, that was enough housekeeping for one show, I think. <laughs> that was almost enough housekeeping for a show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. 
I, I don't know how long I'll, how, you know, how much our future content will, how long it will take. So. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting, but you, we should probably switch into that now. Does that sound probably good? Should. Yeah. Right I, I got new before we do, I, I have to brag. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I told you I got new, um, new hardware for the nerd cave. <laughs> comes in tomorrow i'm so excited <laughs> yeah when you say hardware you mean a sword i'm, I'm yeah i mean <laughs> hobbit sword <laughs> this nerd alert goes to 11 yeah it is. yeah it's really cool though i mean it the picture is the picture makes me want it yeah i'm looking forward to, to seeing it in person tomorrow i have to find some orcs and see if it glows blue but <laughs> oh my god I tried to start rereading. No, I, I bought the audiobook, I think, of, uh, of, geez, no, I can't, I don't think it was The Hobbit. I think it was the first book of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. I was like, I, I couldn't do it. It was like too, I remembered too much of it. Yeah. It was weird. I was like, this is, this is already like burned into my brain. Like, I'm not, this, none of this is surprising to me. Yeah. It was weird. But you didn't realize it until, yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to, I think I want to read The Hobbit again, but I have to, I have to finish Skin Game first. Yeah. P.S. Dear listener, we are seriously using some major self-control to be podcasting or doing anything, even breathing. Yeah. Right now. Anything besides reading Skin Game, because seriously, it's been a long time. I went out to dinner with friends earlier and I'm just like, I want to leave and read now. Yeah. So I'm sure if you're a long time dear listener, you'll know that we're both addicted to Dresden novels. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a typical, typical series about a wizard in modern day Chicago, a detective wizard. Yes. <laughs> Man, he's, he's like, anyway, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's super, super fun series. And this is book number 15, 15, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, I did start it. I, I'm into, I'm up to like chapter five already. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm on chapter seven, so I'm, I'm not too far ahead of you. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's sounding good so far. I had to, mm-hmm. I really had to catch myself up though. I had to like check the Wikipedia page for the previous book because it's been so yeah. long since I read it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you're looking for a killer, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a noir detective novel with magic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very, it has that sort of Raymond Chandler feel to it. Mm -hmm. It's magic. It's great. It's absolutely great. Yeah. And, and, um, they just, they get better with every book. Yes. And I will say, having gone back in preparation for this, I tried to go back and reread or re-listen to all of them. And I've only made it up to like number five, Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe how great they are. Like, unlike The Hobbit, I don't remember tons of stuff. <laughs> and so it's like I'm listening to them all over again. It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, it's all, I like, <laughs> it takes so long to listen to like 15 of them. Like, I probably listen to them every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do one a month. Yeah, right. So anyway. Wait, there's, there's not 15 months in a year. Uh, it just feels like it sometimes. It just feels like it. Yeah. Vacation. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, featured content. Let's talk about Vagrant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a thing that does stuff. Yes, and that's why we like it, because we like things that do stuff. We do. 
especially when it's stuff that we have to do when yeah. we're not on vacation. This stuff does things for you while you're on vacation. <laughs> so, so okay, maybe I'll introduce it because I know nothing about it. Okay. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so I, I'm assuming that most people are, most people, I'm assuming most people listening to the podcast are kind of in the same boat that I am, which is that they've kind of heard of it and they kind of know what it does, but not really. Okay. Or, or maybe they haven't even heard of it, but I'm going to be, I have, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's ever used it except for you. Okay. I know several who have, but I think it's more. Yeah. Yeah. But you have a hobbit yeah. sword. Uh, that's true. So I will tomorrow. <laughs> so it's kind of, geez, I don't even know if I can do this. I'll get, I'll tell you what my impression of it was. Okay. My impression of it was that it was like virtualization software for Rails apps. I don't even know what that means now that I say it out loud, but that's what I thought it was. <laughs> well, you don't have to use it just for Rails apps. No, I know that now, but it's like, yeah. I thought it was like basically, because it's always the Rails people that are talking about it. Right. Well, initially it was in the beginning, um, the first versions of Vagrant. Uh, we're a Ruby gem. Oh. So it got picked up by a lot of Rails developers and, and used that way and used because, you know, it was a Ruby gem. So it was already yes, it's right proliferated there. to the community that way. Yeah, it's yeah. Like laying and there. in, I believe it was version two, it got, uh, everything got rewritten in C. So mm. Vagrant itself no longer has the Ruby dependency. Oh, really? Because I thought yes. it did. I thought we were talking about earlier. I thought I did need Ruby for Vagrant. Well, I, I think I misspoke. Okay. And I was thinking after that, like, no, this was, I remember now that this was rewritten. Wow. That's impressive. So cool. So, um, it actually turns out that you do need virtualization software and it kind of runs on top of that. Yeah. So yeah, it uses that. So in our case, we're using, um, virtual box, which is the, the default one. And they recommend it because it works everywhere mm -hmm. and you can use, there's a few others that'll work with it. I think VM fusion, and maybe yep. parallels, but um, yeah, I but noticed yeah. it said VMware. Yeah, yeah, VM. Yeah, that's it. It also mentioned AWS, which I think is the new desktop virtualization stuff from AWS. Hmm. But anyway, anyway, VirtualBox is open source and and it's the default, and so you know you should just go with it unless you're already using something else. Mm. In which case, you probably know what we're talking about already. So. <laughs> yes, you probably already shut this off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so. Um, so, I, like, do you want to kind of explain, like, how wrong my layman's opinion is? Like, yeah, why? yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, let me see if I, if I can explain it. Uh, Vagrant is a tool to let you quickly create and, dis create and distribute the configuration for uh, virtual machine images for doing sort of sandbox development. And what it does is it allows that virtual machine to kind of um, kind of run headless, so there's there's no GUI or anything for it. For it, you just you connect to it via SSH from your shell. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's that was the thing that's sort of a mind blower for me, where it's like you you install Virtual Box, which is vanilla virtual. You know, I, I suppose yeah. everybody's sort of familiar with that. And then uh, it's like parallels, basically, where you have a window into another operating system on your machine. 
Yeah, and then it uses the VirtualBox stuff, but it doesn't actually run VirtualBox. Right, it never opens the window. So you just go to the command line and you say, like, Vagrant up, and it does its, its you know, behind the curtain, it does some stuff, and then it's like, okay, you can SSH into your new machine on your machine at this address. Yeah, like, it doesn't even run the VirtualBox GUI. No, it's so. just like you just basically start a server inside your machine that you can SSH yeah. into, which is total mind blower for me. <laughs> I was like, sweet, that is so cool. Because we spent two solid hours trying to get my machine set up the way that your machine is set up so that you can go on vacation and not get a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't even do it. It didn't work. So we finally were just like, we punted and we're like, all right, let's use virtualization. And uh, so Vagrant was, that was where we, where we got. Yeah. Yeah. And actually this reminds me of the last time I was using Vagrant, you had mentioned, you know, you'd mentioned using it for Rails development. The last time I was using, I was using it, um, I actually had it set up. I had a, had a a Vagrant lamp virtual machine because I've got, Mm -hmm. you know, everything on my computer is Ruby because that's what I do 90% of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. But for the rare times I needed a lamp stack, then I had the the Vagrant machine for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, today you're like, you're like, do you have RB ENV installed? I'm like, I don't know. You're like, do you have MySQL installed? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't use any. I don't do anything locally. Yeah. Maybe I do. Is it is it installed like by default? <laughs> Look up MAMP. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got see, I've got my little command line MAMP tool. So. Yeah. Yeah, but trying to trying to con- connect to MAMP's MySQL server from from outside of like the stuff that's configured for MAMP is a pain in the butt. Yeah, definitely. So this is so this was crazy cool. Like we didn't we had to we ran out of time before we actually got it rocking and rolling. But it sounds yeah, like you kind of we had we had tried one we had tried one um, machine image and basically. Basically, when you initialize Vagrant inside a directory, it creates a Vagrant file, and inside that Vagrant file is a bunch of information about um, what machine image you want to use, and there's a whole bunch that are already available, or you can create your own and upload it somewhere and just like link, you know, reference that source box. Right, but it's just instructions. Yeah, it's just it's just instructions. It's like a and, cap file. It's like a grunt file. It's like a make yeah, file. It's like a rake yeah. file. It's but it's a for like configuration. Or, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so so inside of that is your information about, um, you know, what um, machine image you want to want to use, um, all of your port forwarding stuff because you can set up port forwarding to your host machine. And. Yeah, and all and all that kind of stuff, and then mm-hmm. your vagrant file gets committed to your source control, and yeah, and it's got your shared folder config in your vagrant file too, because that's that's important. It allows you to develop on your host machine and, and test in the virtual image. Yeah, so let me let me just like put that even like in my idiot terms. Okay. Which is, like, you know, somebody you've got a, this is only useful if you've got like a bunch of developer, or at least more than one developer. Because if you're just one developer, it doesn't really matter that much. You're just going to set up your dev machine. You're probably good to go. Yeah. Well, unless you're doing working on software that has like a radically different development environment. Than your main machine. Yeah. 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 I suppose. But yeah, I suppose that's kind of that's possible. So so 
but in the situation where you have like different people on different machines, different places, different time zones, and you have like, um, like let's say the development environment requires a particular version of MySQL and has to have a particular version of Image Magic and like you know a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of stuff that the application uses, like all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And you like think about it, like if you have to set up all these different machines to like make sure they have all that stuff, and it's like a tedious chore. And it's not even sometimes possible because of some other stuff that you have configured on the machine that you don't want to mess with. Yeah. So like I can remember times in the past installing like stupid FileMaker server and it like completely mm-hmm. borked my MySQL installation. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was by accident to mm. database, like a database killing another database. But anyway, so if you can, yeah. So, yeah. This, so this is like crazy cool. This is just as cool as, um, as Capistrano in my opinion. Yeah. It, it's like similar level of coolness where you include a file in your repo in the repo and you doubt you clone the repo and you go in there and you just like <laughs> vagrant up and it, and instead of like messing around, well, I'm oversimplifying a little, but that's basically the concept. You like clone the repo vagrant up. Now you have the environment that you know, the code runs in mm-hmm. and it's like, damn, but there's like this weird magic that happens where, you don't want the code to actually, you don't want the repo to actually be in the virtual machine because it's disposable. Right. So it's actually, it's actually looking through a share onto your real hard drive. It's all in your real hard drive. So you can, (laughs) it's all in your real hard drive, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you can, you can edit everything in sublime text too on your, I say two, because I know you're still using two, you haven't upgraded to three, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you can, you know, you can edit everything in your, in your editor of choice on your, computer the same way you normally would on anything and then you can run it through the virtual machine and if you have your port forwarding set up you can load it up in your web browser Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like a remote server somewhere yeah it's exactly like that well i mean it it feels just like that it feels like you're doing all of this stuff on a remote server but you're it's like local yeah so it's 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 really really slick so anyway, um, it was one of those things where I was like, man, it's like, it's, it's like something the cool kids are getting all excited about. And I don't really care. But, uh, you know, this is a perfect situation where like you're going yeah. on vacation. I'm not a Ruby developer. I do not have a Ruby set up. Yeah. You're not even going to touch it unless something bad happens. But if something bad happens, you're going to need to. Right. And I don't know how, like, I'm not going to, like, I would need your help to set up the environment. Like, even if I <laughs> we were like, maybe you should just ship me your box. It's like. <laughs> I, you know, like even you couldn't set up my machine for Ruby development. It was taking yeah, hours. Not without, well, not without like spending a lot of more, a lot more, devoting a lot more time to it. Cause yeah. we were, cause we were running into weird things. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. It's really hard. People. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 you know, you, you have to be a developer to do it. There's no question. But, yeah. There's no like, but, um, like, Oh, one click install. Yeah. At least, I mean, at least Maverick says Ruby too. Yeah. Yeah, and you, Every time like I say that, I think st- Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you run into stupid stuff. It's like, oh, well, this version of Xcode command line tools isn't compatible <sighs> with such and such. And that's usually, I found that that's usually where most of the problem lies is 
is Xcode's command line tools and, and GCC compiler and getting that bit right. But in my experience, the vast, <laughs> yeah, the vast majority of software development problems stem from Xcode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> taking a drink. Thank you. <laughs> Xcode is the problem. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I'm like trolling for hate mail now. No, Xcode's pretty slick, but let me tell you, that thing is like a, it's like a monster. Yeah. And Apple just has to do everything a little bit different. Just a little. So it breaks everything. Stupid LLVM. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. But we need code <laughs> completion in the editor. We need to compile in real time. It's like, it's cool. I get it. So anyway, so now we sort of like... Like I said, we ran out of time before we actually got this rocking and rolling, but it sounds like you have yeah, progressed you wanna, beyond that. Yeah, you want to know where I ended up? Yeah, I'm curious, yeah. Yeah, I like, ended is it up... Still, getting, does it still seem rock and roll? It does. It does. Um, I ended up getting everything working because I found a... There's a, a, a preset virtual machine image that's very, very close to what we need. Mm -hmm. It was lacking a couple of things, which I went ahead and installed... And if I wanted to, I could create like a, a, a virtual box image and I could upload that somewhere so that you could just reference it in your and, and then just reference it in the vagrant file. Mm. And then vagrant wouldn't really be it would, vagrant would basically be running it. Yeah, like like if I, I if I created a virtual box image and put it up somewhere on the internet and referenced it in the vagrant file, then the next time then like if you ran vagrant up, it would install that image that I had made mm -hmm. and uploaded to the internet. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately I don't have time to do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> your, your internet connection is kind of like crap. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. Sh like, <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got a sampling today of just how bad it really is. Yeah. Like I was on a public Wi-Fi and downloaded something in two minutes that was going to take you like 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad. You should go to McBride's more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so anyway um what i what i've got for you for for the next few days while i'm going to be gone is i've got um i've got a vagrant file that's or in the, that's extremely close and then like a short list of instructions on how to do the rest once you ssh into it cool now my understanding is that, or like we from that that original one that we tried to use today that looked so promising and ended up not being was, I, there's there's a in that repo there's like a I think it's a what do they call it puppet something it's like not yeah, chef in recipe the, in and that puppet one there was, in that one there was a bunch of puppet configuration stuff so I wonder if we were supposed to run the puppet configuration after we got in there. Uh, I tried that because there was a post install shell script I noticed when I mm -hmm. SSH'd in. Mm -hmm. And I tried that and it still didn't work right. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if we were running into version conflicts because that, that one we were looking at was kind of old. Mm -hmm. back in, so that might have been an issue. I, don't, I just, I don't know. But I, I, you know, I, I found another one that, that works really good. So Yeah, it's one of those things. Like all like, you, yeah. It either works like or just find a different one. Yeah, like basically all you need to do um, is you need to install bundle bundler and node, and it's like you know, gem install bundler and then apt get install node.js. What are we using node for? 
uh, Rails uses uh, uses Node for all of the um, asset compiling and stuff for the asset pipeline. Jeez Louise. Talk about dependencies. <laughs> Rails is something, man. Like, I know a lot of people. You know, people dig it. People dig it. <laughs> I go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if it would run. <laughs> That's your problem is getting it set up. My problem is that it doesn't run. <laughs> you know, and it's so weird because... I know. Every time... It, like, I was so stoked today when you saw how impossible it was to get it set up on my machine it's not I me have, I, I have never seen anyone that has I, like i know it's not you like you're not doing anything wrong it's your machine yeah like you you're like go like this i'm like okay went like that doesn't like, work it's just like the simplest stuff because like like it took me like you know 10 minutes to get my ruby environment set up on this computer when i bought it it's like well, see, boom, boom, but you boom, just done, see, everything works but you were remembering <laughs> stuff as we were like, so we run into something and be like, oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, the GCC compiler stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of that though. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, not as easy as it seems. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I just don't have this problem. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, I don't remember it being that difficult, but it may well have been. Do you remember remember the time we went through the process of making that like master document of stuff to set up to get yeah. your computer ready? That was a long document. That's I still long. have that master document. It's like forty or fifty steps. I still use that master document. Yeah, it's uh, we should have went through it today probably. Yeah, and and then you remember the um, <laughs> the the one time that that master document stopped working because of like a chipset architecture change. Yeah. <laughs> It's like oh, Rails is so easy once you have 5,000 dependencies configured on your machine <laughs> and installed on all your servers, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. People can bash PHP all day long, but it freaking runs. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't we forgot know. the I bug have... report. Speaking of PHP oh, running. Oh, we did forget the bug report, we but have... I have issues. I have issues setting up PHP on, on, uh, on Mac, too. I can never get them. Um, like pear never works. Map pear, come on, pear never worked. No, that's probably true. <laughs> pear, come on. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even remember what I needed it for one day because it was like you know because pear sucks, yeah, and I think Composer pear. has pretty much taken over the job that pear was doing. Ugh. But I needed pear for something. Don't get me started on like Composer. Four, four hours later. Like, yeah. No. no, now you have two problems, right? Yeah. You should have just written that calendar parser on your own. Yeah. Like Pear is very promising, and I know there are things in there that work, but it it's I've z- have zero good experiences with Pear, zero. Yeah. So anyway, and Composer it really rubs me the wrong way, but that's a separate separate issue. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, I need to talk to you about that at some point. <laughs> oh, so so I don't. Do we have if we if we're cool with Vagrant? I think we might be. We can switch over to yeah. the bug report. Yeah. Anyway, point point being, Vagrant's awesome. If you're if you're if you're working with a distributed team and you need to get like multiple machines set up, or if you're doing development that has you working in drastically different environments for for various things, mm-hmm. where virtualization will be helpful, then yeah, like Vagrant's the way to go. It's way better than creating a virtual box Ubuntu image and then using the graphical interface to open a terminal in the blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's way better than that. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like, so it's kind of, it's funny because I will, I would never with all the stuff I do, I would never need this because you can find any garden variety anything I write works on any garden variety lamp stack. Right. And that's the thing with like some of these, like modern web development is way more complicated than that. And there are tons of dependencies. So you can't, you just, it's, it's almost part of the application. It's weird because it's the OS, but it's part of the application because so many, so many parts of the application reach out to things that need to be in the OS. Yeah. And it, it deals with that part, which is yeah. pretty sweet. So really nice. And you can keep in version control and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So very cool. So I would, I definitely like, to me, this is like right up there with Capistrano, which I think is like, a, like just crazy. If you're not using Capistrano for, it's like really, really good. I love the way, it, I love the way Capistrano works and that it's just yeah, like right I mean, in the, right in the repo and just like any idiot can just be like cap deploy and like, whoa, whoops, it worked. Yeah. I mean, there, there are other deployment tools out there, but just like for dead simple if like well i'd say there a lot of the other deploy tools are also like provisioning stuff but like if you just want to deploy something quick simple get it up and 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 running yeah i I love capistrano for that or even on multiple servers like yeah yeah so if you if you need to do multiple deploys like simultaneously it's pretty sweet so okay um so So the the bug report bug report oh man this was a good one. It was. It's a little bit of a long story. No, it, that's okay. It's it's after midnight. We can do a long story. All right. That's good. You're on vacation. What do you care? Yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> so weird. I need to get a beer, though, if it's going to be a long yeah. story. Hold on. Wait. Three seconds. Hold on. All right. Are you upstairs? I'm not upstairs, now. Do you have a mini fridge? Hell yeah. <laughs> In your... Oh yeah, Mantown. Mantown has a mini bar. It's an apartment down here. Are you kidding me? I almost have like a hot plate. Nice. If I ate hot food, I would have one. But usually, I just eat turkey jerky. I could survive for two weeks down here, (laughs) (laughs) and often have. (laughs) Um. Uh. All right. So, oh God, where do we start with this bug? It's like uh, it's, it's probably affect like. 0.01% 0.01% of the web developer population, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as, there, there may be one other person out there that's that'll a little experience this. Yeah. So, but it was one of those times when I was like, I am so glad we went with Apache because the <laughs> thing about Apache is like somebody has had and fixed the, any problem you're ever going to have. Yeah. Like it's been done. Apache is kind of like PHP. It's like, it's just a mishmash of solutions, but they're there. Which is nice. And they work. And they work. So let me, let's, I guess, I guess describing the bug is the best way to go. Cause then it's like, hmm, what would I do? So we have this weird situation in with sticky albums where we are main, we have to maintain two versions of the application at the same time. So we have this really interesting backwards compatibility issue where there's this builder application that photographers use to create albums which are basically little microsites yes and distribute the microsites to we call them brides but they distribute them to the people who hire them so (laughs) those people have links to all of these albums so we can't change those links like the the links still need to continue to work 
regardless yeah. of whether they're on the old builder or the new builder. Yes. And we can't just do a redirect. We cannot do a redirect because the um, because there's also this whole app cache thing and they're stored offline and best case scenario, they're actually installed on the home screens of all the iOS devices. So redirect just a disaster. Yeah. So the, the URLs can not change period. So, okay, fine. So did some research and uh, you, and I think also Infinim did a ton of work on this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't know which one of us had the initial idea to, to do it this way, but yeah, but somebody came up, way. somebody realized we knew that we had to have a new album server. So mm-hmm. there was, this was the place where the, where the micro sites were going to live and it was going to be new hardware, new IP. And we had to point the old domain name at it, support the old URL structure, but also support a new URL structure when that went live. So, and even more complicated, we had to make sure that it worked in both places so that when we changed the DNS, yes. it could work on either server. So like we weren't going to copy everything from the old server to the new one. We're going to leave everything on the, we had to leave everything on the old server. Right. But we had to make the new, the old domain names work on the new server without moving the stuff off the old server. (laughs) I don't even sure if that made sense. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like we weren't copying everything off the old server to the new one. We're leaving it on the old one. And yet you had to be able to access it through the new one. Yes. Through, without redirecting without redirecting so basically the the old way it worked was photographer sent a url to a bride the bride visited the url saw the microsite and installed it on her phone and that re- and in in future all requests that hit the network from bride's phone went directly to ip address one two three four five whatever in future and at some indeterminate point in the future, requests from Bride's phone would stop going to uh, one, two, three, four, you know, IP address one, and they would start yes. going to IP address two, which would then say, "Hey, I don't have any of this stuff." Yeah. Go to IP address one, retrieve that stuff, and send it back to Bride without her knowing any any without her being any the wiser. So that was that. That worked. <laughs> yeah, we actually did that. Yeah, that worked really well. Yeah, it was like a it was like a, a classic case for a web proxy. So we needed yeah. we needed to set up proxying on the new IP address two machine, point the DNS at IP address two, and as that slowly propagated um, over you know over the course of ten thousand years, which is about the time to live on the on the particular host. Um, <laughs> yes. The which domain is, which name is ten thousand years faster than the time to live on my ISP. Yes, very impressive. Which, as we have been told, is a static fixed DNS. They don't anyway. have that. Yeah, they don't have that. <laughs> yes, this, the internet works. So yeah, we, we we set it up using some some very fancy rewrite rules, and then instead of actually doing a redirect, we we fast it through uh, Apache's mod proxy. Yes. It was, it's, it was, and is very slick and was it just like worked perfectly from day one. Oh my God, knock on wood. Yeah. And, and by we, I mean, people, people other than myself, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had no part in this. Yeah. Infinum wrote the, wrote the core got like Infinum figured out most of it and wrote yeah, they, most they, of it. They wrote a killer HT access file for us. Yes. And it's fairly short too. It's just, it's, it's like, it's like lousy with regex. Uh, I don't I yeah. know how to say that. Regex, regex. I say regex. 
I normally don't say it, but anyway. Jeff. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not going there. So, all right. So, not taking the bait. <laughs> um, so, what happens is, Bride, at any point in time, depending on the DNS, whatever DNS gateway she goes through, if that's the right word, she may or may not get IP address of old machine or IP address of new machine, and it doesn't matter. It's totally transparent, which is perfect. So uh, that works. That's working great. It's and it's basically all. All it really took was like a maybe a fifty line HT access file on the new server. Yes. So fast fast forward like two weeks, and. Um, we got this bug and without going into the details of the book, oh, I think we kind of have to, there's like, I think so. uh, there's like some, some analytics stuff. Yeah. So analytics are going on. Yeah. Perfect. So analytics are going on and it's like, it's like the, the analytics are not working. There no, no, no views are getting counted. No one's visiting the microsites. Pres- presumably the bug was there from day one. It just took two weeks for anyone to notice it. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, let me, first thing you do is reproduce the bug, right? So mm-hmm. I create a new microsite and I visit it and I check the analytics and sure enough, it, it counted the view, like no problem. So I said, uh, I said, whatever, you know, I was like, test was flawed. It's working, uh, nothing to fix. And, and I was like, and I said to Nate, I was like, here, you visit it. And then I'll, you know, and he did. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. It's it, not working. It didn't count his view. It only counted mine. <laughs> and part of the analytics is it's based on the IP address. And so I'm looking at the IP address that the analytics captured. And the same one. And I'm like, no, it's just, well, there's just one. There's one view. Right, right, right. And I'm like, that IP address looks really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Was that actually your thought? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I you reckon you start to recognize them after yeah. a while. They have a shape. Like I see a shape in numbers. It's kind of like I think it's from I think it's from playing guitar. Like like there's this weird shapes numbers correlation. Yeah. When you're yeah. doing, I, I do that too. Yeah. So I see a shape to numbers, oh, and I was I like, thought it was <laughs> like this. I recognize the shape of this IP address. Yeah. It's like I always thought it was from being a freak, but <laughs> it's the developer mind. There's something. Yeah. There's something there. Anyway. There's some weird pattern recognition going on in our brains. Yeah. Yep. And so sure enough, I go to like, what is my IP? And it's not the IP address that got tracked by the analytics. And I'm like, is this some weird, cause I'm at a hotel at the point. And I'm like, is this some weird like hotel firewall thing? And it's like not showing me my real, life. I'm like what, where do I know that IP address from? <laughs> sure enough, it's the IP, it's IP address two. It's the IP address of the new server. Yes. Because what's happening is I make a request to the new server. New server says, oh, I don't have this stuff. I'm going to request it from IP address server, you know, server with IP address number one. And that is the request that gets stored in the analytics. So that refer IP, uh, the, what is it? Remote ADDR, remote address, IP address mm-hmm. is always the server. So every single person who, whose DNS is pointing at the new IP address is we're, we're losing all, we were losing all of that information because it was, it was getting thrown away because that request basically was just a placeholder for the one that gets made between the two servers. Yes. So, oh man, that was like, it, like, it was so, it was one of those thunderbolt, like, oh, duh. Duh, yeah. Totally makes sense when you think about it. 
Yeah, and I'm just remembering now that I once encountered a very similar issue with um, with load balancing and SSL. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and like, where do you terminate the SSL? Do you terminate the SSL at the load balancer? And oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Where do you install the certificate? Yeah, um, in load balancer. Yeah, you would have to, right? Because yeah. you don't know, right? And then, and then you then you probably should install another one between the load balancer and the other machines. I never even thought about that. Um, actually, the load balancer has like a secure connection to the other machine on its gotcha. encrypted stuff. And anyway, gotcha. but yeah, right. Yeah, you could have a VPN like thing set up. Yeah, there. yeah, but yeah, we we ran into that once when um when setting up a AWS load balancing. Mm, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, so where you're like, oh, geez, you know, you're 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 purposely putting up intermediary devices between you know there's all of course your request is bouncing all over the internet but anyway so yeah so the the fix was um thankfully incredibly easy which is so awesome that's and this is like an apache like that's why sometimes it's nice to use old software yeah because the mod proxy authors thought of this right someone already had this problem like if we used Nginx or, or I doubt I'd be so shocked if, they, well, I don't know. They do a lot of reverse proxy stuff with Nginx. So. Yeah. Nginx does a, a ton of reverse proxy stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe it would have, maybe it would have been cool, but, um, uh, but I'll bash it anyway. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, have no, I, I have no idea, but I'll bash it. Um, so it's, it was like literally just a simple change in the, uh, in the analytics where I said, um, did I do actual logic? I think I said if the if the IP address is this known one, then, then look in this other header. Then look for this header, which is X forwarded four. Yes. And I didn't have to do anything to set up that header. It was automatically put in there by Apache on the intermediate on the proxy server. It's yes, just totally thank you. totally there. <laughs> it was like literally. You just, you just have to know of its existence. Yeah, just need to know about it. Yeah, and if you don't like, you can't look at the response headers and and tell that it's there because you're not getting, you know, because yeah, I'm not sending that request yeah. right. Yeah. So if you do network sniffing on your machine going to the proxy machine, it's not there because that's not where it needs to be anyway. Right. It's two right. requests, so. and you need to know the 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 headers on the request in between the two servers. So. Yeah. So unless you were doing some kind of weird sniffing of that, which. Hopefully you're not because, <laughs> well, in this case it's not a not a secure connection. It's not encrypted on the on the, this particular server. But right, they, no, yeah. these aren't secure sites, right? No. no, they're public. But it's like, it's like, oh God, it was like one of those things. Where it was like, oh God, it makes so much sense. Yeah, if I had only known. You'd, <laughs> yeah, you'd never find that header. Like you just have to like know it's there or read it in documentation or something somewhere because. Yeah, you'd have to put on. You'd basically have to be logging the headers on the the old server. Yeah. Like any request coming to the old server, you'd have to log the headers and happen to notice that there's an X forwarded for with a whole bunch of them. Yeah. So it was like somehow I don't even know how you'd sniff network traffic between two servers that you that are remote. I suppose you, there must be some way to do I'm, it. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah. So in fact, most of the blog posts that I found when I was first googling around. Till my Googlers were sore. Bruised Googlers. My bruised Googler. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a weird visual. It's <laughs> a very disturbing visual. <laughs> um, well, it was a lot of stuff about like updating your Apache logs 
and yeah. and setting because just people who were doing I, you know, I guess that's a sort of old school analytics is just grepping your logs. And it's like, I want to yeah. know what IP addresses are hitting my logs. Maybe I want to, because like, I think that was the thing. It was like, I want to block certain IP addresses from accessing my my app, mm. but they're all going through a proxy server. So how do I know mm. which ones to block? Right. So there were lots of, there were lots of reasons to, all the reasons that I saw that people did it in the past were nothing like the reason we had, but it was uh, nonetheless the solution. X yes. forwarded four. I love it. I'm gonna get that tattooed in the back of my neck. <laughs> People will be like, "What is that?" What's that? I'd be like, I'm "Tony Stark's cousin, dude." Why <laughs> <laughs> do you have Apache headers tattooed on you? Apache headers. I got a pair of socks at the Artifact Conference that had a label <laughs> on them that said "Footer." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was one of the. The goodie bag at Artifact, I, I apologize to every other conference organizer who I've worked with in the past because I've worked for many great ones, but the mm -hmm. Artifact um, swag bag was the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even tell you this. No, you didn't. But socks that say footer is off to a, like a, an awesome start. That was crazy cool. Footer socks. That was awesome. And, and the... Um, talk about follow through you know you know it's a design conference when this happens so i don't know if you visited the artifact conference site um, i didn't know but if you go there dear listener you will see and there's there are upcoming ones in providence in fact um each of the different the, the two different locations providence and austin have like a different sort of um this kind of like circular uh, wave graphic it's just mm -hmm. this it's just this very kind of vector um design it's like this circular cool circular design it doesn't mean anything it's just this different and they just look the different one of them's more pointy one of them's rounder and it's and that design is sort of follows through the whole site design so you always know which event you're looking at because the 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 uh the spirals are different on each one mm-hmm so I was like, oh, I thought that was really cool. And I was like, I wonder, you know, I was like, I noticed it, but it was, it was somewhere between a conscious and a subconscious level. Yeah. Cause it like, and there are some places, if I remember correctly, where you hover and it kind of spins and it, it was noticeable. Like they put a lot of work into those spirals and I was like, damn, that's like, <laughs> that's a lot of it, a lot of work on those spirals, but Hey, yeah. it's kind of yeah. cool, you know? So then I get there and in the swag bag, Mm-hmm. They gave all the speakers a like retro spirograph. Oh, yeah. How cool is cool. that? That is cool. <laughs> it is exactly like the spirograph that you remember. It is so cool. I was like beside myself. I couldn't believe how cool it nice. was. I wanted nice. to open that thing. Up get a kick out of it? I, I wanted to open it so bad, but I wanted to bring it. I didn't want to like rip it open because yeah. I was going to give it to Cooper. Yeah, it's like here, Cooper. Here's your used gift. Daddy played with it for a while. Yeah, exactly. So I, <laughs> yeah. I you know, I, I always try and find him something fun while I'm traveling. I was like, sweet. I'm yeah. like, I've got that nailed. Done. Yeah. Done and done. And I get back. He couldn't have cared less. He was like, oh, mm. Mm, okay. Whatever. Going back to Minecraft. <laughs> it is pretty lame compared to Minecraft, but it, I love it. I totally love it. And like the, the tie in between the website design all the way down to the yeah. like gift for the speakers was ridiculous. That's awesome. So kudos to Jen Robbins and everybody. That was just brilliant. Love that. 
And now I've got a boss retrospirograph. Do you do? Cooper doesn't. Cooper doesn't want it. That just means you get to play with it more. Heck yeah, that stuff's cool, man. I love it. <laughs> do all my site designs with my spirograph. There you go. <laughs> you can um, you can decorate the man cave walls with framed spirographs. I'm telling you, it's pretty. It is really cool. I don't know. I don't know. I like it. But all he cares about is Minecraft. Mm, I I know how that feels. Oh, we're picking up Kira's birthday cake tomorrow. We ordered it from the bakery. Mm-hmm. And? Well, you can probably guess. Is it grass blocks? No, it's a cake block. Is it? Oh, nice. I should have guessed. Ah. That is hilarious. Yeah, I tried making one, I think, last year, but, you know, my, my cake-making skills are, are only slightly above... Um, What's non-existent? Yeah. <laughs> the thing that's non-existent. We went on... So for Cooper's last birthday, we did a Minecraft cake. Mm-hmm. Did we? I think we did, yeah. It was in January. Was it a cake or were they little cupcakes? I think it was. I think we ended up going with cupcakes. But if you go on like Pinterest and just search for Minecraft cake... Yeah. Pff, there's a billion of them. Yeah, I'm sure there are. But yeah, we're getting our, getting our cake block done. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I had I, I have a, an idea for a future show, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. Minecraft related. I might even do a real talk on this. But in the last in the last twenty four hours, um, Cooper, we have Minecraft on the the Fire TV that has like a a kind of traditional game controller. Yeah, you said he wasn't impressed. He, I showed it to him when we first got it, and he didn't really. His hands were kind of small for it. And he, he didn't really, I don't know, it didn't click with him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last night, for some, for some, he was playing and I was sitting on the couch and I was like, oh, I'm going to play it on the TV. And for some reason this time he was like, let me see that. And we went through, like he, he had me show him how to do it. And I'm like, you know, this, this joystick's feet, that one's eyes, feet, eyes, feet, eyes. And, mm-hmm. you know, like this one's to look, this one's to walk. This one's for flying up and down. This one is for make. This one's for break. You know, there's like there's yeah. like a freaking million buttons on that thing. <laughs> and uh, and you know, why is inventory? And he's like memorizing. Like in within five minutes, he could slowly but unassisted, he could use the controls. So he'd nice. be like, so he he totally got the looking. The looking one was the easiest, and walking was next easiest. And then it was like, how Golden do I? Bur- how do I fly? Yeah. He mostly, yeah. And then it was like, how do I break and make? So he started to figure that out. And then he was like, okay, how do I cycle through my hot bar? And so we, those yet another, like the, those are like the eyebrow buttons above the triggers. And yeah. So, okay. So we go through that whole exercise and like in the, and it was like the comparison between him using that controller and watching him use an iPad or even a phone to play Minecraft is like a joke. Controller's a joke compared to the touchscreen. Like, nobody taught him anything on the touchscreen. Yeah. We never taught him anything. And he he is, he'll never be as good with the controller as he is with the touchscreen. That's funny, because I'm sitting there thinking, I'd like to have a controller to play Minecraft. It's, I don't like controllers. I don't like controllers for third-person shooter type games, or 3D games. I do not dig it. It's okay for Mario type stuff. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, you get a lot more... 
But like, I don't want a touch interface either. Like, give me the keyboard and mouse. Yeah, no, that's totally well. So that's where I'm going with this. Is that tonight he was like, so the the thing with the the Fire TV is that it's Minecraft Pocket Edition because it's yes. Android basically. And I don't know why, but he was just like had it in his mind that he wanted to play computer Minecraft because he knows computer mm-hmm. Minecraft is is the one that we played with you. Yeah, you know he figures that out. And we can play. We can play some more. Right. We actually popped into your world by accident for a second. Oh, that's know. fine. Feel free to feel free to pop in and play around in there anytime. Well, it's, okay, we will. But the problem is that it's survival mode, so we're like, all right. So he yeah. still can't quite handle that <laughs> emotionally. It's like very scary. Yeah. I think I opt you, so I think you can actually turn survival mode off. Oh, huh. I'll check it out. Uh, we we'll probably we'll just mess around a little bit. Like the the thing that well, anyways, that's anyways. Yeah, that's separate. But so the the thing is, I was I said to him when he was playing on the, you know, I'm looking at him like struggle with his control. Like he learned it, but it's still, mm-hmm. it still was not. It was still like a, it's like a watching somebody play guitar when they still have to look at their hands. Yeah. You know, they're like they don't quite have it. They don't have the muscle memory yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, do you like that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, why do you, why do you like that? He's like, he said he liked it better than the iPad. And I was like, why? Because it, I, I was like, I figured because it was bigger or because there's something about the controls that he did like. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, I like it better on the TV because of the sound. Hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause the sound is way better on the TV. And, uh, and sound is such an important part of it. It never occurred to me, but when he said it, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That is interesting. So then, okay. So then, I, mean, that I was guess sort you of, could always put headphones on the iPad, but still, yeah, yeah, that's that would probably, that would probably make it better, much better. Um, so then, that was that was sort of like filed away in my mind, and not not to mention the fact that the that playing the same game, radically different user interface. Yes, radically different, in in every possible way. So so then, okay, fast forward today, he was like, for whatever reason. Uh, his cousin George came over during the day and they played Minecraft on the TV and on the iPad. They're in the same world. They played Pocket Edition. And for mm-hmm. some reason tonight, he just was hell-bent on playing the computer version, which has, even in creative mode, has a lot more stuff going on. Yeah. And um, so we fired that up. And I, t- he remembered how to do a bunch of stuff from that one mm. night that we played like a month ago. Like he remembered, he goes, he goes W is run. <laughs> and I was like how'd you know that? And he's like, cause you told me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself like that was over a month ago. So anyway, so, so then, and then I, I even, I actually videotaped him playing it because it was so ridiculous watching him try and use the mouse. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like a, it was like a, Like you, th- like you and I think a mouse is like great. And it was, it's like, it's like, um, like it sucks a mouse sucks compared to a touch screen and i'm like i'm looking at him use it and he's doing all these things that make perfect sense that don't work like he's <laughs> twisting the mouse to look around yeah but obviously that doesn't work that's not how a mouse works yeah yeah but it, but it makes perfect sense and i'm like no you have to slide it to the right and then so like like, like but what? if he wants to do if he wants to turn around like 360 degrees he runs out of mouse pad so he's like now what I'm like, oh, well, you have to pick it up and keep doing that motion. And so now when you think about it, you're doing this like motion with your hand where you're, you're sort of cycling your hand in a circle up in the air and down on the mouse pad and up in the air. Mm-hmm. makes no sense. It has no relation whatsoever to what's happening in the game. <laughs> it's, it's 
complete, it's different in every dimension. And it never occurred to me because you and I both, I, I think we both prefer the mouse as the, uh, the sort of computer interface to like 3d games and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like, I like the mouse and like games like that. There's no way I'd want to touch screen. But so here's so the like, thing. That's too much. Yeah. The, the thing is like, I'm just looking at it and and when you when I see him and he's like he doesn't care he likes he likes them all for different reasons like he doesn't care right. about the he's like I'll learn this because I want to hear the music I want right. to see the I want to be able to make like like squ- I want to be able to spawn a squid on the top of a tree which you can't do in pocket edition yeah or he wants to play with me yeah or like that was the other <laughs> thing we went into a public server for a second mm-hmm. and it was like it was like too it was like super overwhelming and we also didn't have the controls down yet so it was like. It, but watching him try and like, it it just really drove home how unintuitive a mouse is to some to any human being, and how or to flip it around, it drove home how learned it is. So like, like interesting because I don't think I've ever had to think about how to use a mouse in my entire life. I promise you that you have though. Like, I'm sure I did at some point. You went through a phase that you do not remember anymore because I don't remember it either, but I must have done it. Well, actually, we might not have because when we started using mice, we didn't have complex 3D environments. There was a much more a much more um, direct mapping of mouse movement to stuff on the screen. It's still totally up. Yes, you're right. And but and I do remember when I first my played my first like first person shooter, which was probably Unreal Tournament. Yeah, it took me a while. Stein 3D. <laughs> yes, it, but it takes a while to get used to the to the mouse in, in the 3D environment. Yeah, yeah, because it's not intuitive. But so, like the thing that the thing that he um didn't pick up on real quickly. I took video of this because it was so telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's like, he's like, "How do I do this?" And I'd be like, "Right click," and he's like, "What's right click?" <laughs> And I'm like, this button right here. And he's like, okay. And he's like, okay, how do I fly down? Shift key. What's that? It, it's next to the it's next to the Z. No, the other side of the Z. No, the big button. No, that's caps lock. <laughs> I mean, it was like endless. And when yeah. you compare that to like, I never told him a thing about how to use a touchscreen. Nothing. He just did it. Yeah, he just naturally did it. And so, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's amazing the difference between the two. Yeah, yeah. Like, like ultimately, the touchscreen may not be the most powerful way to do it, but it's the easily it's the most intuitive. Definitely, and it's and I read a, I read an article recently about um, about that, and it's and it it boiled to, and it basically said that the touchscreen is, you know, using it was more of a, a, a indictment of touchscreens in general. Mm-hmm. And just using one finger or maybe two fingers to interact with an environment or, or whatever you want to call it, an interface, in that, um, you know, a, like a, a tool that does not utilize your full human capabilities of like all 10 fingers and all the different grips that you can use with your hands and all that stuff. There's a name for that, and that name is toy. <laughs> you know it's not a tool yeah. it's a toy and that is exactly what i see as an ipad is a toy mm-hmm. and that's why when people who 
people who can touch type hate iPads because it's a toy. Yeah. And it's like, but if you're a hunt and pecker on a keyboard, then the iPad seems fine to you because you're actually not using, you're using a computer like a toy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're not using the computer mm -hmm. to your, your like full human capability of like typing 70 words a minute. So you don't miss anything when you're on an iPad where that's impossible. Right. right. On the iPad, you actually like it better because, hey, the keyboard's smaller and it's all right there. And Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's actually better. Yeah. So, and you know, you can always just give up and press the little microphone button and talk to it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> so I, I'm like not even into the, I, I'm not even into like getting into a value judgment of which one's better, or which one's worse, but it was like so interesting to see the same person who's totally open-minded about it. doesn't care one way or the other. Right. Gravitating to the same game or you could put it another way, the same interface or whatever mm -hmm. and, and interacting with it in, perfectly fine with interacting with it in all sorts of different modes doesn't care i'll learn it and is more interest is less interested in the um the it doesn't really care so much that he's kind of clumsy on the keyboard or he doesn't care he's kind of clumsy on the controller because the tv the sound is better yeah or like in the in the um in the desktop version he's like i can do stuff in here that's not possible in the other ones so yeah. even though it's a tougher interface to use and grapple with, he was like, yeah, but I can make like, I can make squids in this one <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like in regular pocket, in pocket edition, there's no night even. It's really, it's, it, it's kind of, it's very simplistic, mm -hmm. which is good and bad, I suppose. But he's getting ready to like, he's getting bored of it. Yeah. He's going to want the, the full. Oh yeah. I mean, basically in the pocket edition, you can't change your outfit. And so like right away, yeah. he's like, Oh, okay. First thing we got to do diamond, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you can, like, cause you can actually upload custom skins. Mm. Not in pocket edition. No, not in pocket edition. Yeah. But in the, in the full one, but yeah, I had a, I saw a similar ish, similar ish. I was watching a video earlier today. It was a bunch of kids and their reactions to, like a computer from the, the late seventies. Mm. Like they basically set them down in front of the computer and yeah, and they're like, and, "What the f is this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was watching the I was watching the whole time, and like they would eventually figure out how to turn it on, and it would boot up to a command prompt, and and then they're like, "Okay, now what?" <laughs> mm. You know, and like I was watching it the whole time, and these are completely like typical reactions that you would expect expect kids to have and they they ranged in age from probably like eight to 14 mm -hmm. and obviously the you know the, the older kids were a little better about figuring things out than the younger ones but um like there there was something about it the whole time that left me feeling vaguely frustrated for for reasons i couldn't quite figure out while i watched the video mm -hmm. but then going back to it later i i realized that like the source of my frustration was that they all had like zero familiarity with a command prompt mm -hmm. because like 90% of the problems they were having trying to use the computer would be because they, you know, they didn't have no any, like any sort of basic command prompt usage. Like if they had, if they'd known how to like list a directory and run a file, then okay, they'd be computing and doing useful things, but they mm -hmm. didn't even have that, that very basic knowledge. Right. And it, it just, it frustrated me because I started teaching Kira how to, how to use a terminal when she was like eight. Mm. 
Because that's, I mean... Yeah, I, mean, I go it, back and forth on this yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, it, it made the computer completely useless to them because they couldn't use it. But even today, like, being able to go to the terminal and do stuff is, like, the most powerful and efficient way to use a computer in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. But so here's the thing. I, I wonder... I, I totally get where you're coming from, and I, th- I think if I was going to argue the flip side, it's kind of like, well, even back in the day when that was the only option, it was still a small subset of kids that got into it. And that the kids who were sitting around that computer, let's say there were 10 kids sitting around the yeah. computer, 10 of them know how to use a, an iPad. Yeah. And it's like it's almost like what I'm trying to say is that the iPad is not probably not going to cause that one, the one in 10 kids who will figure out the command line and you want that kind of power. I feel like it won't, no, it's not going to stop. It's not going to change the percentage. Yeah. Like, there's still only going to be 10% of the people who want that kind of power. Yeah. And the yeah. rest of the people are just going to want to, like, live their lives and have girlfriends yeah, and gonna stuff. they're going to want to play Flappy Bird. And- <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I go back and forth, though. And we were actually talking tonight because I was like, I couldn't believe some of the stuff Cooper was doing. Like, how fast he picked up the keyboard, which was, he's, like, really... I was like, I was like, he's really good with abstract concepts. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he's like, I'll map that. I'll map that. He's like so familiar with what he wants to do in the game, mm-hmm. like the result that it was, it wasn't too hard for him to map this completely unrelated behavior to it. So like I'll press W to move forward. Like there's no relationship there whatsoever between those two things. Yeah. But but he's like, okay, I'll just map that in my mind. So I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at it. It was just like, I was thinking like, okay, these three interfaces and like, like, it reminded me of music, like guitar. Okay. So like he is, he is like with the touch screen, he's like a musician. It reminds me of a musician playing an instrument because mm. he's like, he's doing a bunch of things. He doesn't even like know muscle what he's memory. doing. It is muscle memory, but it's like, uh. He does like flourishes. <laughs> so he doesn't just turn around. He turns around and then like like his hand comes off the screen with a flourish. Yeah, like, I've se- I've seen videos of him doing it. That's like there's a little it's it's decorative. Right. Like there's a there's like a a flair to it. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, you know, I have lots of problems with the touchscreen, as you do. You know, it's like, it's very limiting, but it's, you know, for, but for a four-year-old, it's pretty, pretty much right in their comfort zone. And it got me thinking about music and like the, the, what if, okay, so I'm like primarily a guitar player music in the music realm, but I play other instruments and I am fully aware of the fact that the different interfaces for different instruments are radically different so like the the the, like a flute or an oboe compared to a guitar or piano or drum set yeah like even if we stick with the drum set's a dumb example because it doesn't have notes in the same way but (laughs) like if you if you say like um just a guitar and and an oboe okay it's just like to play a middle c is like ridiculously different of course and then, mm-hmm. you, and then I think, like, I've, for a long time, I've been, like, noticing that DJs are the new 
like a DJ is like, to me, like if I was going to start over and be a musician, now I'd be a DJ because they are playing. They're God, it's hard. They're they're at a meta level. They're at the meta level Mm -hmm. where they're not going to be, they're not going to like learn how to play a note on a string on a, it's so barbaric to think of like Mm -hmm. vibrating a string. That's going to like, then it's weird. Like, why would I do that? And, and so, but there's a lot of people who would just like be horrified, musicians to be horrified by that. Like DJs yeah. aren't musicians. And I'm like, screw you. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you kidding me? Well, that's just technology. I'm like, you think a flute's not technology? Yeah. <laughs> it's mechanical, but it's still technology. technology. Yeah. I mean, short of your voice. So anyway, I mean, like what's technology? You know, it's like, yeah, a guitar is totally technology certainly electric guitar and throw pedals in there. Like, forget about it. That's like, you might as well have a computer. Yeah. And so the, so that got me thinking like, what's the touchscreen interface for guitar? That's not some stupid garage. I knew you were going to say that. Like not some, not, not, but not like the guitar in an iPad, but Uh, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like what's the, what's the musical expression that, is more intuitive because a guitar interface takes 20 years to learn yeah that's not good i I have tried to learn the guitar many times in my life yeah it's it's i've failed miserably every time it's a 10 or 20 year process that's that and if you ask me that's a shitty interface (laughs) sorry yeah it's like if it takes you 20 years to learn the how to do it it's if if you can't do it well until you have calluses (laughs) that's a crappy interface (laughs) <laughs> like you should be able. So basically what I'm saying is like, like when I'm playing and like when I, when I was really good and like practice, like practicing all the time and like really gigging and like everything was as fluid as it ever got. You'd think in broader strokes than the notes you were playing. You'd think I need, I need to have speed here. I need to be, I need to be in, going up. Like I need to be climbing up the mountain here. I need, and you'd think in colors and you, you wouldn't be thinking like, I'm going to put this finger here. And I feel like there's probably a way to take computers and this is probably dumb because it probably already exists and I just don't even know it, but there should be ways for this to, to, to express those kind of musical impulses in a way that's at a higher level that someone who doesn't know crap about, you know, chord theory and, and like vibrato finger by vibrato and like BB King's like particular soloing approach, like, you know, remember when we were having the conversation about like if we all had telekinesis or not telekinesis, but if we all like empaths, there'd be no reason for music or language. We would yeah, just or art or, or anything. yeah, nothing. Yeah. We just transmit our emotions to each other directly. Yeah. What would be the point of music if you could just transmit your emotions? <laughs> so I feel like I feel like there's a level of of music technology that I'm pretty sure is not there yet. But I I feel like if anybody's working on it, it's DJs where they're getting closer to expressing their musical impulses in a much more intuitive, less than 10 years type of practice way that yeah. would transmit their emotions more directly to an audience. I think we're going to have two shows this week. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, we'll, bonus, have, we'll have the extended edition. Bonus content, the vacation episode. Yeah. Oh, geez. Probably be better than that, um the lost episode. Yeah. Which we'll not speak of. Ugh. It was bad. 
that was just the that was a, that was worse than a ramble fest. Yeah, he. I think one or both of us was a little intoxicated that night. Yeah, and overtired, and yeah. we didn't know what we were going to talk about. Oh, we'll just wing it. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.